Hello and welcome to another episode of Through the Door Podcast. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Wargi Productions. Um, Wargi Productions make and produce uh, some of the UK's top charting podcasts. Um, perhaps you're an individual that has an idea for a podcast. You could be a business um, that, that, that wants to launch a podcast. Maybe you're an artist or a comedian. It doesn't really matter. If you have an idea for a podcast... Uh, and, and you want to have some help in developing that and making it into a, a real thing, head over to www.wargieproductions.com, take a look at the list of the people that they've been working with, um, get in contact. They're super nice, friendly guys, and they're there to help. Uh, they also make and produce this podcast, so there you go. In this episode, we got to sit down with none other than label boss, um, film actor, TV actor and spoken word artist, Mr. Scroobius Pip. And I have to say, it was an absolute pleasure. The guy is just a legend. He's full of stories. He's come right the way through the music industry and into, obviously, now movies and, and TV. But he's come at this um, all the time with a DIY approach. He has basically taken the bare minimal of whatever he's got around him and turned it into something incredible. Um, so we were really, really excited to get him on and, and, and get him telling some stories about how he's managed to do that. We decided um, to go against all the podcasting rulebook uh, guidelines and uh, record it in Warren's back garden in Leon C. Uh, it was a very nice sunny day. Warren has a particularly uh, rainforesty type looking garden. So we thought we'll set up shopping there. And we did. And um, what we didn't realise at the time was actually that the, his next door neighbour, their back garden, uh, basically is a building site and uh, there's lots of builders and stuff uh, <laughs> making loads of noise. And also uh, we were sat in the flight path to all the flights coming into to Southend-on-Sea. So you will hear some stuff in the background, but I urge you to just get over it because it's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, there may also be a little bit of blue language in this one. Um, so if you are in the car with your kids or you're around anybody that may become offended, then perhaps either stick some headphones on or wait till you're alone. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to our channels uh, on your favorite podcasting platform. Also head over to our socials, uh, which is any social at through the door and give us some comments. Let us know what you think. Give us some ideas. Uh, yeah, so here it is, Mr. Scrooge's Pit. Right, start again. Mr. Scroobius Pip, uh, thank you so much for taking some time out to, to come and join us on this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, it's awesome to have you on this, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, no problem at all. Yeah, man. We wanted to get you on this, really, because this podcast is geared around, I guess, giving some nuggets of information, but also uh, inspiration and just some sort of light of fire under people's arses who are in that position where they're... Yeah either they have an idea to start creating or they've started creating and they don't know what to do with it next or um and i guess there's some kind of um words of inspiration and belief in that you know you can take that creation and do the next thing and hmm. and, and so the series is going to be uh, idea to career basically yeah. and that we're going to gear nice. that around that 
Um, but we wanted to very much get you on because of your DIY approach to pretty much everything that you've done. Yeah. Um, starting right out from the beginning, videos, how you stay in budget, and I want to talk a bit around... I think you mentioned that you did one for like 100 quid or something, yeah, and it was yeah, just yeah, awesome. Yeah. I, I completely th- think that the restrictions can trigger creativity or false creativity. I think it's one of the problems with a lot of bigger acts and bigger artists is that you've got endless budget, therefore you can do you can do endless things. Whereas if you've got those restrictions, you have to think, right, what can we make work and what's going to be amazing rather than let's just do everything. Let's throw everything at mm. it. Let's get dancers. Let's get all this. If you're like, yeah. right, I can't have any of that. Yeah. Therefore, I need to find a way to stand out. Yeah. Which I don't think a lot of big budget things do. They're not necessarily thinking about how to stand out. They're thinking yeah. about how to look big and look expensive. Mm. Yeah, I think it gives you an ability to be able to really utilise your creativity in order yeah. to, 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 to use everything around you, uh, which might not be a lot. But kind of going back to, I mean, you've diversified and you've gone into film, acting, podcasting, all kinds of things. But going back to you, the, the sort of boy in the bedroom. Yes. What, where did it all start for you? Um, well, the first porno I got was uh, <laughs> <laughs> now. Yeah, or, or again, it, it, it literally starts with DIY because the reason I started doing spoken word was because I didn't know any producers and I didn't know how to produce. So it wasn't a, a love of poetry that grew, right. but I had a love of rap and punk, right. and I was bored of being in bands because you always have to r- r- rely on other people, and there's always one person. No matter how positive it starts, there's always one person that a few of you start to think is the weak link or mm. isn't as dedicated. Always, or always an hour late. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. always that. So I started doing spoken word because I'd heard people like Gil Scott Heron and Saul Williams and, and, and Sage Francis and that, and I figured right, I can do that off my own back. I can just go to open mics in London or, or South End or wherever mm. and just do it off my own back. And then when I started to produce the, the demos, which came kind of at exactly the same time, again, rather than going, well, how do you produce or, or what yeah. programs do you need or what computers do you need? I looked at what I had and mm. I had these CD decks, which I can't even remember the brand of them. They were all for these little silver things, mm. but they had a loop mode on them. So I'd get a load of, let's say I'd pay for them, but I was working in HMV at the time. So um, they had their own right. brand. Yeah, they had their own line of, of, of classical jazz and things like that. And they were all dirt cheap and they just had just endless catalogues of music. So I'd listened to a load of them and, and find something I wanted to loop. And literally I had a little recording desk Again, I was worried about this podcast because I'm terrible about makes yeah. or brands yeah, or everything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a Don't desk, yeah, yeah, I had a CD worry. thing. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> um, That's fine, yeah. And I'd just, yeah, I'd loop stuff and then I'd find a drum beat that was, I could get to the right tempo and I'd loop that and record that so, in. So you so, could do that on like uh, channels though? Yeah, like it was on channels. Yes, so I'd do that. Again, at that point, I, I, I didn't even have my loop pedal, which I went on to use yeah. for beatboxing and stuff like that. All I had was some some CDJs, so it was finding stuff that I could kind of force together yeah. and then ch- chat over the top of it. So again, so DIY, so amateur, but it worked. So how's that working? So what, is one like a CD recorder or something and you're looping in? So no, literally, I've got essentially a CD deck mm. and I've plugged that into the input of a essentially thing. a mixing desk. Right. It's a, a little mini 
mixing desk that could probably do loads of amazing things that I never, never learned how to do. Porter studio. Yeah, it was a little Porter studio. Yeah, yeah, it was a silver thing. I've yeah. still got it in my loft because it's still yeah. got all those old files on it. It yeah. had a hard drive in it. Yeah. I've never known how to take that hard drive out or no. do anything else. Yep. So, yeah, I'd literally, I'd press either a record on the thing and then I'd, I'd start the loops as there was no software interface I wasn't doing anything on computer mm. Mm. so I'd start the loop and then I'd loop that for ages it's why half my early tracks have got like a minute of instrumental at the end because mm. it's like I needed to make enough yeah. because if I want to make it again I have to start at the beginning again yeah. Yeah. if you know what I mean because yeah. I can't I've yeah. not got files in front of me yeah. so I'd just not I'd loop a load yeah. I'd bring the drums in at a certain point I'd mm. take them out at a certain point yep. and, the, and then I'd write and so that down the line it used to kind of it was the bane of Dan Lissac's existence because he'd send mm. me an idea beat and I'd, I'd write to it and, f and finish a whole track and he'd be like that was literally an idea that yeah. wasn't meant to be the layout we meant to have more discussion yeah. but because I was was used to I'd build it all on a vibe yeah. and then I'd write to that I'd be like alright the verse ends there because mm. that's that's where the, 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 that drum loop yeah. end, ends. Mm, yeah. That wasn't planned or no, structured. Course, I was yeah. like, well, that's how long the verse is. So Chorus will go there. Yeah. Did that? That's that's all those demos, and that's what became no commercial breaks, effectively, um, or, or what working towards. It, it? It's it's what worked towards it. Yeah. See, I was scared of getting done mm. for sampling. Yeah. Because it was that era <laughs> where that yeah, was yeah, just yeah. starting to come about. Um, so I booked. I think it was three days I could afford in a studio. Mm. Um, I think it was in Brentwood or maybe Braintree kind of way. No, it was up this way, actually. It was somewhere more towards South End. Mm. I booked three days in this studio and I'd m m made all these, these demos and I got my mate, Alan Shortis, mm. who I used to do a lot of street art with. Um, and he was an amazing drummer trained as a jazz drummer and just was in like metal bands and all sorts of other stuff yeah. and I got Ross Lawson who I'd been in covers bands with and worked in HMV with and he played guitar bass sax piano he played everything so I basically got those two in a studio and we had th three days to recreate yeah so that I wasn't using samples to recreate all these tracks that I'd kind of I'd built roughly on my so they were kind of mad setup. trying to sort of replicate the type of style yeah. without without and change it just enough yeah change like yeah, yeah. again my <laughs> ignorance was like just change a note here and there it's like you'd still get done if yeah, anyone yeah, looked yeah. at you you'd still go that's <laughs> summer in the city yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no it's not because yeah, yeah. there's not. one key not there or it was played on yeah. in this studio but but yeah that's kind of how we how we worked it and again it I liked it because I'd always heard like um Boogie Down Productions, Sakaris, mm. one and Scott Rock, mm. they had a lot of tracks that had these long intros and stuff. Mm. And that's because all they could afford was an hour in the studio. So Scott yeah. Rock had made the beat yeah. and then they had an hour in there. Yeah. And I kind of liked that. Again, it's, it's, it's that restriction, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's yeah, having yeah. that restriction of you've not got months to play of it. I mean, afterwards, the guy who owned the studio, he mixed and mastered it. So there was a bit of back and forth on that. But mm. the stuff was there. And there wasn't a lot that could be done. The one track that I wasn't happy with, yeah, it, I wasn't happy with it because it sounded too clean. So I completely re-recorded that track mm. in 
the toilet at my mum's house <laughs> and in my bedroom at my mum's house. What track was it? Um, it was it was it was at, at all. At all, right? Yeah, because so that was all beatboxed oh, into a loop pedal. So yeah, mm. so I'd like yeah. We wanted, we, uh, Should probably point out by the way we are, we've we've decided to pitch up next to a building site. So if you can, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a hammering game. Yeah. It's atmospheric. Um, as part of this podcast, uh, we like to. So far, anyway, we um, to dissect a track halfway through. Yeah, and I was going. It's usually, I mean, obviously of your of your choosing, but I mean, as at all was one of them. I think we could do that. Yeah, yeah, well. let's go for yeah, it. Cool. Yeah. We'll do that in a bit. We'll, yeah. we'll come to that. We'll, we'll come, come to that. that. So cool. you've you've got your tape decks. You've made your sorry your CD. Yeah, I played. You've made your you've, you've made your, uh, your your I guess spoken word sort of rap bit over the top a bit. How do you get that creation that you've made then? Where, what did you do in order to be able to get that to the next level so that you were able to break through and start to get an audience and people watching you and becoming interested in, in what you're doing? The, the key, I think, was complete blind ignorance. Because <laughs> um, it was only... I literally... I was chatting about this a year or two ago. So this is t- t- 10, 12, 13, 14 years on from them days. Yep. I only realised a year or two ago... So, 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 so when I was recording the record, I... Um, I was working in HMV and saving up. I always, like, on one of my lyrics on a later album, um, I had a line that my Kickstarter campaign was five years in retail, because it was. Yeah, my right, Kickstarter yeah. was, yeah. I worked for five years t- to be able to afford yeah. to put this out. I didn't yeah. go out. I didn't socialise. I didn't, I didn't, like, working in Lakeside, I didn't have my lunches in the food court I bought really? b- b- bread and chicken and stuff like that and made purely with the the, the, the foresight of, of thinking I'm going to save this money to, to yeah, make this creation yeah. I, I wanted to release the record I didn't know how much the, that would cost um, I wanted to try the basic idea was I wanted to save enough money to be able to take a year trying at being a musician and yeah. if i failed cool i'll i i enjoyed retail i, I was really good at it i'll yeah. go back to that yeah all good but um so yeah I, I saved up and all that and it wasn't until i was i was discussing this on an on another podcast that um when i quit my job and i i, I spent a month touring the country living in my toyota space cruiser um and just playing on street corners and things like that i'd recorded my album at that point so i'd done that at weekends and it it only occurred to me recently that at the point i quit and went on the road i'd I'd never played in front of anyone before i'd done the stuff in the studio yeah i'd never done an open mic a street performance any kind of performance but it just hadn't crossed my mind i was like right this is what i'm doing and in a way i think Mm. It, it forces you to succeed. Like, I had, I, had no, I had no option other than to succeed. I didn't, I'm not from a wealthy family. Yeah. I was living at my mum's house. I was like, this has to work now. I've quit my career. Mm. Yeah. And it sounds w- weird to refer to retail as a, cr- a no, career, but I'd got, I mean, up to, is, I'd got up to management. Yeah, I was, you know, is, I was in that place where I was looking at it being my career. So, yeah, I'd quit. And then I kind of had to succeed. So I went out on the road and just played on st- street corners when you say street corners are you literally i mean what are like are you playing to shoppers the 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 first one i did weirdly i was doing after thou shout came out a few years later i was doing a thing for six music and their news guy matt everett mm. who was the news guy at the time mm. he, sh- he showed me a photo of me doing a street performance and it was mad because it turns out that was my first ever oh, no performance he happened really? to be there me and my mate Chris were going on the road 
Um, and the plan was to just turn up in, mm. in, in, in city centres. I had a ghetto blaster that had my instrumentals on. Mm -hmm. I had a loop pedal and I had a, a little portable amp. So I'd either beatbox and loop it and rap over the top or I'd play the instrumentals and rap over the top. Um, and just before where we were going to leave London, we saw that DJ Shadow was handing in, he was doing an album playback right. at, at Island Records, I think it was, yeah. um, and fans were invited, and it was the first come, first served, and you'd get to come in the lobby and hear the new record. So there's a big um, queue. So it was a big queue. There was yeah. a, a horde of people. So exactly. I turned up and did that, and again, it was mad because I, I was about to do it, and I was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. And if I hadn't had my mate Chris there, who was like, you've got to do it. Yeah. We've, like, like we were on the road yeah. now for yeah. a month. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What else Just are you go do? and do it. I think if I'd been on my own, <laughs> I might have ended up just not doing it and right. bottling it or whatever, but because I had a mate there to hold me to task, yeah. I did it and it was all right. It, it wasn't gr great. I was nervous. I hadn't yeah. thought about any of it. Again, it was that thing that thing of here's all the things I'm going to do and then later going, oh shit, I've actually got to do them now. I've yeah. had that my whole career mm. with the radio show on XFM. It wasn't until all the articles came out how bold it was that they were giving a guy with a stutter yeah. a radio show that I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's weird, isn't yeah. it? hadn't cr hadn't crossed my mind at yeah, all. But yeah, um, yeah. so that was it. I did that, and then we went on the road, and we hit city centres originally. And quickly, I learnt that city centres have got a lot of people, mm. but not a lot of people who, ne who necessarily want to hear a weird yeah. fusion of hip hop spoken word. There depends was what time of day it is as there. well, right? I mean, yeah. it's pitching up at midnight. Yeah. You're going to get yeah. a, a big difference. Yeah, reception. I, I remember the first one that made me stop doing street corners was we did a city centre in Manchester and it was the day of an England game at Old Trafford and hmm. it felt as if we were going to get killed yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and have our gear nicked yeah. so we quickly went right well what else can we do and we'll from then on every town we went to we looked at the gig listing and rocked up outside other, other people's gigs because yeah. Yeah. again the thought is if we're in Manchester um, and M Mr Scruff's in Manchester I remember that one no well, oh, that was in Cambridge. Oh, it doesn't matter where specifically, yeah. I guess. But <laughs> say we're in Manchester and Mr. Scruff's in Manchester. Yeah. Mr. Scruff's going to have a similar target audience as yeah. me. He's l l literally going to get all of that target audience and line them up against a wall. Yeah. So yeah. I'd turn up there and perform. And that was I kind just, of the... Uh, do you, have you ever spoken to anyone else that's had that, that's done that? Because I've no, never... But I've the, never but, I see people handing out CDs in that kind of way. Yeah. But I've never seen anyone pitch up and, no. and but, just play. But the mad part is... I mean, no. number one, I was adamant I wouldn't busk. So I never had yeah. anything on sale. I had yeah. flyers so they could, could find my MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> flyers that had fake quotes on them. I had a quote on there from... Um, from what's his name? Who's the... Dickhead Radio One guy, old man who, um, what's his name? The who, rapper guy, you mean? Uh, Westwood, what yeah. I, mean, I had sorry, a quote Kevin. on there from Westwood <laughs> that said, This is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life, yeah. which yeah. again, completely made up. Yeah. I had a quote from bigappleflow.com, made that website up, um, that said, Yeah, great, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, I'd hand out flyers, but I was adamant not to ask for anything because I think we've got an instant mentality mm. of if someone's asking for something, we will look away. Mm. If Fucking Mick Jagger was on a street corner mm. with a cup saying, can I have some money? You'd put your head down and walk past mm. him rather than go, oh, wow, it's Mick Jagger. Yeah. So, see, I had that. And then I said the weird part is, number one, 
numerous bands whose gigs I went outside and played, I've now gigged with mm. or know. But even bigger, outside of one of them was a kid called Orpheus who gave me his his beat tape and yep. a kid called Buddy Peace. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Both of them I've worked with. Orpheus was on my solo record. Buddy now produces the yep. podcast and I've, I've worked with for years and Warren's worked with. and mm, So yeah, that's stuff that, that's people who were just in mm-hmm. that queue and it shows how how correct it was that that yeah. really is m- my target audience to the extent it would end up being people I would be friends with yeah. for years to come yeah, and exactly. work with artistically. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so, so Buddy was there t- uh, in the in the queue, or in the he queue. was there he handing was, out he, CDs. He was at what? a Buck sixty five gig. Him and Orpheus were going into the gig. Yeah. Um, and as I was doing my thing on their way in, Orpheus said, "Here you go. I've got a beat CD." Yeah. And me and Chris played that for most of the yeah. the time in the in the yeah. van. It was it was, well, it was it was one of our soundtracks. It was so filmic yeah. and dark and weird, yeah. which was perfect. Particularly when you're in a van with a mate, being someone who's into a lot of really wordy rap mm. at times. That's that's not that good for two people. No, because you you it's stopping conversation. It's stopping yeah. interaction. So a fucking filmic cinematic beat album was mm. was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, I I remember meeting you around these parts actually in the mm. Grand Hotel. I mean I met you loads and loads before. Yeah. But from that point I had a shitload of your flies and yeah. a load of your CDs at one point. Oh that was on it. my bed because I was giving them out to Didn't people. Didn't you say you met? You. Was it around the corner from here? You said? The Grand Hotel. Yeah. We played a show together. You D- he DJed. I DJed. And I gun played a gig. Yeah. Um, and uh, from there we kind of started linking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, really. again at we that point we were around the corner from each other like living wise I guess. Yeah. But, it's it, it, it's how I'd, I'd set up this whole tour around yep. the country was I'd had a thousand or two f- flyers mm. made up that said, Scroobius Pip, they're relying on the Kindness of Strangers tour. That's if it. you've got a that venue, an open mic or anything that you can hook me up mm. and put me on, then l- let me know and I'll be there. So I sent them out to mates who were at uni in Norwich. Mm. I sent one out to a guy called Daniel Stevens who I used to work with an HMV <laughs> who turns out was performing under the name of Dan Lassac. Mm-hmm. He nah. booked me for my first ever indoors gig. Right. When I got there, he'd, he'd remixed a few of my tracks, and that's what started our whole career. Yeah. Um, I gave some to Warren. I yeah. gave them to all sorts of other, other people to just leave places and hand out. And again, you had the contact of MySpace. Mm. That's where you could could find me. And I lived in a van, yeah. So, yeah. I, so I could be anywhere. Yeah. Essentially, it's like yeah, I'll come there. Mm. It's, yeah. it's, I, guess I remember a- doing a gig in in Buxton. And it was literally in a cave, um, and it was for Buxton Fringe or, or something, and there was hardly anyone there. But it meant the world to yeah. to be being asked to, to, to these places, and again, essentially to be asked places who could say, "We can't really pay you, but mm. I'll travel there because I'm I'm living in a van at mm. the time." Yeah. So, and and the key to it was I did the north before I did the south because mm. my thinking again was, if I'm doing the north, then my and my performance is tight I'm wearing I always used to wear a suit and a trucker cap I had a strong unusual look I had a CD that was made that had a barcode on it that Mm. did absolutely nothing (laughs) a a catalogue number that that wasn't registered all all just all fake but I just thought if I do that up north then they're going to assume I'm big down south because I'm up here gigging and I've got CDs and it worked and similarly by the time I played in the south I had a decent following so yeah. you could go on my myspace and see a few thousand people or whatever so it was a true fake it and until you make it because right. it was just yeah 
pretending, oh, I'm already a success. And then going, all yeah. right, yeah. We'll, we'll pay you for this gig. But it we'll wasn't so much pretending in that, like, you, you, was, you were living it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, and so, sort of, as, as we fast forward then, so you're, you're, you've gone from doing these little recordings at home yeah. with your CDJs. What's your next, what's the next sort of big pinpoint of, so after, after going in the studio, no commercial breaks, what's your next sort of studio environment so sort yeah, of point? I mean, when, it's, when's that then? It's weird because it was, it was few and far between. On demoing, even after no commercial breaks, yeah. on, on demoing, I'd do it all in my, in my bedroom at yeah. my mum's house. I'd put yeah. three mattresses together to, towels over the yeah. top there's a photo I post every now and then on socials because yeah, I didn't even have a, a mic stand it's a step ladder that yeah. had a mic because you know mics come with a, a holder thing yeah. Yeah, the, clip, the, the clip yeah. so I had the clip so I'd, I'd tape the clip onto a step ladder Man, that's and that's where I recorded everything and the original our shout vocal that got released on the single was recorded yep. there mm. the version I talked about this on a recent episode of my podcast with Fatboy Slim and we played it at the end Fatboy Slim got me to say Fatboy Slim just a band for him to DJ out I didn't stutter on it thankfully otherwise that would have been awful Um, and I recorded that in my bedroom at my mum's house and he played he headlined O2 Wireless that Mm. year so he was playing that out to tens of thousands of people yeah Yeah. it's fantastic and it was just recorded in my mum's bedroom so all the the demos were like that and my studio my studio experience after that was it was really similar in Mm. that We'd written all the tracks, we'd made them all with demos, and then we'd spend on a, a, a day or two yeah. in a studio. Yeah. And the first album, I think... Oh, no, the first album was all at Yiller's studio, so in, in, yeah. in Tilbury. He had a studio in his back garden. So, so that's the first album with Dan. The, the, the second album with Dan, I recorded all the vocals in White Rooms. Oh, Mark, uh, Mark's. Mark yeah, Watts' yeah, yeah, place. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a mate, Ollie came down and recorded all of them. Did you do anything in my ass? I think we did backing vocals. Yeah, we might have done some backing vocals. I think I've yeah. got a couple of them. Yeah, 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 yeah maybe. Te- or was it the third one? No, I can't remember. It might be the, f- yeah, I'm not sure. The third album. And then the third album, yeah, that was the first one that was in a proper studio in Reading that Dan was, mm. he knew the people there. But again, still then it was like, I had a day or two at the most mm. to do the whole record. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, like, I suppose it was all budget Dan. still. But like with Dan's, he was sort of in the same environment because like he was right? at home. Yeah. yeah, everything was in in the box, and then and then took to a studio for development, or if or not. I mean, he's I, if I was, at all, if yeah. at all, a lot of it he would keep on the last album. He'd get he got some drummers in, he got some strings and things like that. But yeah. in general, we were adamant to stick to to, to what it was. He he was yeah. a band. Yeah. So it was like as soon as the first album did good, there was then so, and we're playing like a couple of thousand cat venues, um, there'd be pressure to add a live band, add this and add that. Yeah, and we were always like, well, well, no, Dan made it all in his yeah. laptop. Mm. So we can add some... He's doing it all live. It's mm. not like he's just pressing play. Mm. So we were more adamant to try and put f- focus on the fact that it was mm. a live band, mm. essentially, rather than go, oh, we'll add a drummer and a bassist there wasn't a drummer and a, b- yeah, a bassist on the record, so why add it for live? It yeah, felt it, uh, felt weird to us. Mm. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because around that time, I remember like because we supported my band, I shouted gun, yeah. supported Dan and Sack on their first like proper UK yeah, tour yeah, yeah, with yeah. the Anomalies. Yeah, yeah, that was right. Yeah, that good lads, good times. And like I, I just remember thinking because it 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 all worked so well. Like the yeah. the sound was amazing that Dan produced out of Ableton. 
and like it, it changed my perception of um, music to the point where I yeah after I shut a gun became defunct I just started making music mm. on my or, own. Or, or <laughs> that was that was key, and I, I kind of I'm, I have to sling a bit of ignorance in here, but mm. Dan's relationship with our first proper sound man, James Appley, yeah. was absolutely key because they yeah. they had a fractured relationship over the years. They loved and hated each other, but they were both absolute tech nerds. Mm. So all of Dan's stuff would be split up into stems and we'd have all the bass on one channel. Mm. So James was mixing it like a live band. Um, It just happened to be coming out of a laptop. Mm. So that was key as well. I think it's why people... I mean, we got a good reputation as a live act Mm. and I think part of that was because people were surprised at what we got as a mm. live sound out of a yeah. laptop because you expect it to be here's the backing tracks yeah and all that but dan yeah so yeah it, it was all ableton live and, and james would use main stage and, and stuff like that i think yeah, it was really it was great to have yeah that was key to making it not feel like we've got a rapper rapping over a backing track it, yeah. it's, it was key to us that it was the Dan Lissac versus Scroobius Pip, and we were yeah. equal in that. Yeah. So we needed to make sure that it didn't feel like here's the guy who's pressing play. Mm. It was here's the here's the music and mm. here's the words. Mm. Who was um, when you were saying that? Um, I don't think you said pressure, but there was people were telling you to put a full band together. Yeah. Was that a, a label telling you to do um, that? Because you did, you did you go down the label route for that? Yeah, 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 we signed with Sunday Best and they right. were fantastic and supportive but they would probably put forward the idea of a, mm. of a live band our um, our booking agent would probably have put it forward again mm. completely supportive when we chose not to the reason is quite right the bigger the venue the bigger the stage mm. yeah. yeah and two people you in the middle of a massive stage yeah. is going to look shit mm. so <laughs> that, that, that was the idea was valid but but we instead went down the route of of stage design and trying to have unusual mm. stuff. The, the tour that we did, uh, we had a living room on stage mm. with us and we literally got yeah. told the crowd to bring a living room ornaments to add to our living room. So we started with yeah. an empty cabinet yeah. and by the end it had all these ornaments oh, in nice. and we had um, a desk, a, yeah. a, a, a coat rack, a chair, you know, all these, a grandfather clock, mm. all, all from second-hand shops. And then on the next tour, uh, we had these big boxes that we'd painted in different ways and these there were some circles. It was all, all related to the album artwork. And again, it was to try and go, right, let's try and fill the stage yeah. so that on first impression, people aren't going, why aren't we watching this in a pub yeah. rather than in yeah. Coco or the Shepherd's Bush Empire was was one of our, our, our biggest shows. You need to, to fill those stages. Yeah. Like, I remember, I went, but again, it's surprisingly simple to do so. You'll... you'll both have had live bands that you've gone to see and mm. all they've had is light strips or something like yeah. that and it's so striking and so amazing. Yeah, I think it. it's often um, imposter syndrome that makes yeah. you go, oh, we need to have everything. Yeah. If you're the biggest band in the world and you can go, let's just have five light strips yeah. and it'll yeah. be white light and it's going to look amazing. Whereas yeah. if you you think you don't belong there, you'll be like, well, we need dancers and we need a video <laughs> yeah. screen and we need mm. this and that. So, uh, so yeah, when we got to headline... Um, mm. 2000 trees 2000 yeah. um, and we got to headline the main stage there and that was mad and for that we had some some lighting and stuff but we spent a load of money on these huge balloons 
and some of them were on strings and some of them weren't. Mm. And it just filled the stage up because you've got these huge balls mm. that you can then sm- yeah. smash out into the crowd on the big yeah. climactic oh, yeah, song yeah. kind of thing. Big, um, blow up sofa, or was that? That was just at a festival. Oh, was it? They happen to have that there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was at Independence. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it was was making the most of what you had. And Mm. the small... Because, again, I think the key to most of these things is that... Like, I get all the time, I have people message me saying, how can I get out there? Mm. How can I get attention or whatever? Mm. And my instant thought is always, start by not sending this message. Mm. Yeah. Because if you're asking someone else, then you're not going to yeah. make it work. Yeah, you need yeah. to just go, just go out and do it. Yeah. But the one caveat of that is it was only on our last tour that we got a lighting guy. And we'd, we'd never toured with a lighting guy. We'd always used in-house. Yeah. And it's amazing how much of a difference that, that makes mm. to a show. Yeah. But because we were figuring it all out ourselves as we stumble along, we're like, well, lighting seems like a luxury that we're not at a level to have yet. Yeah. And then on that last tour, we had that. Because, again, it's someone who knows all your songs. Yeah. So they will drop it out completely at the right point. And yeah. it just Professional it makes it edge. a show rather than... It's, mm. We had numerous gigs where the in-house lighting was amazing, but they're not going to know the song. So if you've got a quick end or a longer or, or whatever, they're not going to have that same mm-hmm. impact. It mm-hmm. might look cool in the going mental yeah. bit because they've got a strobe. But other than that, yeah. Yeah. And so... Going from there, where, why and and sort of, I guess, when did you make the move into um, heading up a label, starting at your, your own thing? Why didn't you decide to kind of stick with the Sunday Best in order to release the, more stuff, or, or did yeah. you? Well, that was an interesting thing. Um, the, the, the starting my own label was for my solo stuff, because I'd put out the first record on my own label. Mm-hmm. Again, as we've established, it wasn't really a label. It was <laughs> yeah. a name. It had a name, it had a logo, <laughs> yep. it had a catalogue number that, again, it wasn't registered anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the, on the solo record, I, l- I loved Sunday Best. I thought they were great. But at that point, I wanted to do something that was a step away from what me and Dan were doing, in between records. Mm. Um and I wanted it to be harder and punker and edgier. And I don't think Sunday Best of that label, mm. or particularly at that point, they're kind of a feel-good, ha- happy, mm-hmm. electronic, which is perfect for me and Dan. Mm. And again, I'm, I'm a massive observer, which sounds creepy, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I like paying attention to shit. So I'd really, I'd learned a lot. Again, it, like everyone says now, that the labels aren't needed because you can do it all yourself. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I the reason that, the reason I could do the solo rec- album or or the record label myself, which again I've struggled with hugely, mm. the reason I could do it as well as I did was because I'd watched a label who yeah. had experience and yeah. I'd, I'd watched them make mistakes and mm. I'd watched them get things right. So yeah, it was about kind of having that independent f- f- feel and going right. Well, rather than spending a few hundred quid on mailing out the album to all these people, I'll get a travel card and I'll go to Radio 1 and I'll go to XFM and I'll give them to them myself. Yeah. I'll so go this, this, is, this is now with the solo stuff? Yeah, this is, is, this, is this the solo pre- stuff of me as a, as a label. Right. Because again, the whole label, it's always kind of just been me. Yeah. Um, I've worked with distribution. Yeah. I might have taken on PR for specific projects on a one album deal or whatever else, mm. but actual full label it's only ever been hmm. me so yeah. yeah 
it was all all that DIY outlook and trying to again it's the it's the fake in it as as well it's mm. giving the illusion that it's this big thing it's why I did the whole it as speech development records and yeah. made it a label because it gives that air of professionalism mm. even mm. if it's it's a, a very thin veil mm. yeah <laughs> no it's cool it's cool and then um I think we were going to dissect a song at one point, weren't we? Did yeah, you want to do that think, somewhere I around think, here? Or? Yeah, well, what I, I was just going to suggest just quickly is just oh. to go in just about your um, the tech side of how Distraction Pieces was made. Obviously, yep. I was part of that. Yep. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of, of how, how that was put together. Yeah. But just, I think, the development from, from me looking in was that, obviously, you went, you went from doing those vocals in your bedroom, yep. so then moving on, so then just using maybe like my, my, my house that you yep. did a few demos on, and then yeah. yours, but how that album come together yeah. with various producers, various songwriters, everything else. It's, yeah. it, that, that collaborative effort, but I just sort of want to hear just a bit more detail about the, the, the techie side of it all, like how, yeah. how, you, how you approach recording it. Well, it's, it's mad, because that whole album came about because of someone who ended up not being on the album. Mm. Um, I hit up a few years before that, Liam Howlett yeah. had hit me up to write some lyrics for the the Prodigy, and mm. I wrote some stuff. I was too gr- green at that point. I wrote some Scroobius Pip lyrics for the yeah. Prodigy, which was of no use uh, whatsoever. Mm. But we kept in contact, and I hit him up asking if he wanted to do a remix of any of the singles on mine and Dan's second record. He said, "I'm not really doing remixes, but if you're ever doing anything new, mm. I'd love to be involved." And I think at that point, mm. Distraction Pieces was just going to be me and you yeah. and Yilla. Yeah, that was but it. But that kind of spurred me to go, all right, well, if I can have a beat from Liam, mm. like, who else can I have a beat from? Yeah. And weirdly, Danny Lonna from Nine Inch Nails had tweeted a load of lyrics from Thou Shout. Mm. So I hit him up going, mm. I'm making a record. Do you want to make a beat? <laughs> and he did. He did, yeah. Zane Lowe made a beat. Richard Russell made a beat. So it was very hodgepodge and stuck together but it was key to have mm. you or me warren and, and yilla mm. kind up. of overseeing everything to yeah. make sure it all, all sounded like a record the struggle was made with steve mason yeah it's the furthest from anything else on that record yeah, but it is, yeah. we made sure it mm. had the right sound and had yeah, the bareness like, maybe yeah like we, we oh, pulled, in, mason, the, we, we pulled in the we pulled in the simps and like there was another one where me and steve had a day yeah. uh, to make it work I, I drove to his place and it was a Fourteen-hour drive, yeah. Whoa. and the plan. <laughs> so I got there. I got there at about eight o'clock at night, and we went and got fish and chips, and we started to talk about ideas, mm. and then we went in the studio and recorded essentially the whole or the bulk of it that night. Yeah. And then I went to bed. I woke up. He was in the studio already. Mm. Like it was in his house. Um, and then we recorded the the rest of it. I was meant to be there for for three or four days, and I was like, I'm probably just going to drive home now. So I was probably there for, or definitely because of the drive home, I was mm. there for less time than I drove. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we made that track. And because again, it's, it's also that thing I've always been, Bang. and Warren will know this and Dan will know this, that I don't like to be in the studio and over the shoulder of the producer because yeah. I know that I maybe haven't got the vision for where they're going. Mm. I'll hear where it is now mm. and I'll be like, I don't really like that. Mm. And I won't be able to see this is a sketch. So I'd rather 
step away and leave the producer to produce yeah. and then hear it mm. and give feedback and, and go back and forth rather than mm. be over mm. someone's shoulder. And, and that's a learning curve from when you would just write to whatever someone had sent you. Yeah, yeah, start to yeah, 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 completely. the reality is the development needs to be there. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. a pro production side of you, because like, we, we've just finished a record and the majority of the time... That's why we're doing this podcast, we're just nicking... Yeah, yeah, exactly that, yeah. But we've, we've just finished making a record and the majority of it has been us stripping sound away yeah. Yeah. And, and, and deleting and deleting channels and channels and channels of stuff we don't need after letting it sit and that's, it breathe. That's one of the things that Dan Lassac like, got amazing at. Like yeah, one of exactly. the, the, the real away. keys of Dan's skill, of mm. pr production skill is his ability to strip things down. And it came from us working together because yeah, say, yeah. he'd made solo stuff. He'd, I loved it. It was amazing, but he didn't yeah. have to have room for, for vocals. Yeah. So it was only when we did our first record and then he learned from that and more and more he'd go, right, well, actually, the vocals are another instrument. Yeah. So let's use that as an yeah. instrument and let's yeah. let it have its, exactly its room. That. And he was, yeah, he's a master at that, considering how d d d dense and beautiful he can make a track. Mm. Songs like You Will See Me. There's like barely anything there, and yeah, it's just that's, that's it's strong, key. and it's it's yeah. yeah. That's it. When there's a strong idea, there's a strong top line. The it's production, like the James Blake type, vibe, yeah. You know, and there's just barely anything, it's, but it's, it's minimal. massively again, emotional. Again, it's restrictions. Like, how, yeah. It's restrictions yeah. as well, yeah. though, because you will see me and Broken Promise are two tracks yes. that are proper yeah. bare, but they're both tracks that came when we thought the album was finished, and yeah. then we knocked yeah, that up, true, and we're like, true. oh, we've only got a couple of days. Yeah. There you go. It's yeah. done. We didn't have months and months to mm. tweak and play with it. And that's more on the producer's side. I'm, I'm normally, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah. But, but a producer will always want to pick, pick stuff apart. And, and that was, was yeah. why I said, we had the whole album done. Yeah. And I said I wanted it. I had an idea mm. and you sent that guitar kind of. Yeah, loop, like Broken Promise, was... the final, we re-recorded all the parts at Yiller's. Mm. But like, it was just a replication really cause, uh, but it, because the way I recorded it was plugging it into the little sound card that I had and and just like, direct input so it was not like miking up yeah. or nothing it was just very basic um, and we just got to use some nice amps some nice guitars mm. and just layer it up nicely and it, the, the, the production wise though the synths and stuff didn't change because I was all in the box synths just straight out of, no I think it were native instrument synths that I used and like we just developed them and got them sounding a bit warmer, it was, it was, and it was a real basic. Was such tune. a key on that on distraction pieces in in general. Yeah, so tour, so many bang. of the ideas were far bigger mm. than what they ended up being, yeah. and that in in a good way. Yeah, like good um, yeah. feel it originally was going to be Natasha doing vocals and yeah. Debbie, who Debbie, was okay. Yilla's partner at the time, yeah. and there was another was girl, um, or one of the girls from Peggy Sue and the Pirates. Yes. Rosa was going to do a vocal on it. Mm. And the plan was to have all these female vocals mm. and then me doing the, the quiet male vocal that was kind of a, a counter-argument. So it was a cover yeah. that was a reworking. And then we got Natasha's vocal and we were like, yeah. we don't need anything else. No, no, That's it. It's so much better just to have that. If, we, Mate, if we'd done yeah. all the layers that we were planning on doing, it would have lost that. It, it, it might have worked, but no. it would have been a completely different thing. Having just that vocal and then my kind of quiet one, I, it's one of the ones I hate hearing because... Mm. Yeah. I hate my vocal on it now because I love her vocal so <laughs> yeah, much. I'm like, fucking sh I wish yeah. I wasn't yeah. on this track because yeah, yeah, yeah. it just sounds so good. But it made it a million times more intimate yeah. and yeah, personal because it wasn't this track. It was this intimate back and forth. And yeah. it, again, it was another one that it meant it was far more stripped down than we originally mm. planned. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that was it. I remember um, a, a, a Let Them Come. I think yeah. it's a good production story of that because I mm. had the idea 
prefer the beat, but I'm terrible at, I'm not a producer. So, so I literally, I remember we sat in a pub yeah. near yeah. your old place opposite Vicky Park. Yeah. And I kind of sat there going, I want it to be like, uh, because it's the football thing. I'd hear that down Millwall, and when it'd get like that res that echoey resonance where there's thousands of people all on the same tone and key, yeah. it sounded amazing. I was like, that's what I want for let them come. Let them come is Millwall's kind of motto. I never um, thought of it makes so much sense yeah, now you say that, but I ne- I've heard the song a million times. It's yeah. all Millwall. And I never, never would have put that yeah, together. And yeah, and it's, it's weird because uh, both Sage and POS didn't know that, yeah. and both of them mentioned Lions in their in their vocals. Right. Oh, yeah. Which is bizarre because yeah, that was pure yeah, chance. They didn't know that, but and, that's where. And they were both written separately too. They both wrote How completely weird is that? separately, yeah. but, but both mentioned Lions. So yeah, but that was one where it was like, here's the idea, yeah, and then you kind of had to go it, away yeah. and find the, the the right sound for it and all that. Mm. And yeah, it's a weird. Again, I'm I'll put my hands up. I'm at times I'm probably not the easiest person to work with mm. on beats because I will have some specific ideas, but I won't be able to articulate them. Yeah. I'll be I'll know what doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the, Dan Lasack will have to put up with me going. Kind of needs to be a bit. Like furrier, furrier. <laughs> like, like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's kind of yeah, that's that's a prime example it of that is. of sitting in a pub and you having to put up with me going, "Here's how I want it to sound." Yeah, literally. All right. What key? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, so let's let's crack on with like more about production. We're gonna, we're gonna play a little bit of a track of yours. Yep. From. Um, from uh, no commercial breaks, yep. which is at all. Yep. Which we then we actually saw a little saw about this tune is that we developed it into the distraction pieces to a live set, didn't mm-hmm. we? As like yep. a big dirty punk tune. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's very different to how how the original record was. But yeah, if you can, we're gonna have a little listen. And then once once we're finished, um, give us a little breakdown of how you made it specifically. Yeah, completely. What do you mean? Keep it real. Can someone please explain when reality's just lie interpreted by your brain? And if mine and your perceptions ain't one and the same, which one of us is normal and which one is insane? The skin never forgets the deep abrasion, yet the brain often forgets the conversations. This annoys me due to the nature of humanity. Want to remember the good, not just the bad things that happen to me. And yet I understand the mind's an intricate tapestry, but so is the skin. And that still recalls damage. See the scar above my eyebrows from when I was a kid. And my skin has kept the record of the damage I did. So, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, uh, the best example of a track to pick because this is the rawest form of a song that went through the most changes because that song was also on mine and Dan's first record, right. but it was a track called Rapper's Battle. Yeah. I, I did the same vocal because Dan had a beat called Rapper's B on his solo record. I had a song called At All. I rapped it over the top and we called it a Rapper's mm. Battle. Um, Brilliant. And then we developed it on the live sh- sh- show to to be this just balls to the wall punk song. Yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, originally I recorded it, or we did a version in the in the studio as I mentioned, and it didn't. It sounded t- too clean, so I re-recorded it at home. And what was the Bjork album that was all beatboxing and vocals? Um, it's not Verspatine, was it? It, no. is is it verse patine. Yeah, it's Verspatine. Yeah, it's Verspatine. So. That had come out and blown me away, um, and I wanted to. D- d- that's kind of what I wanted 
to do with this track. So I just beatboxed and looped it and made noises and made like weird cat noises, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Mm. All on this mixing desk. Um, I think I put a bass line on it as well. There's yeah. a bass There's line a in there, isn't there? So I, yeah. I, I had a bass guitar. I used to play a bit of bass. So I literally, I think I plugged the bass directly into the mixing mm. desk. Yes. So there was no yeah, amp like or anything else. It's like just a direct DI yeah. of just this horrible, cheap, yeah. 70 quid bass guitar. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, just how I, I worked it and built it because... Yeah, it felt like it needed that. It it needed that rawness. Oh no, that's it. I, also, there was again. It's it's proper going back to. I'm I'm mixing up my tracks here, even though we've just heard it. Um, it was <laughs> angles. I did a lot of a lot more of the the beatbox and, and, and vocal on. But on Atoll, I did a bit of it and just random bits of drums and stuff mm. on the CD decks that, that I had. So I'd loop. There's I think it might have been a Peaches track, a Peaches yeah. snare. I think it was. Yeah, it's it's um it's the start of um. I never realised that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know the snare. So I nicked a, a snare off yeah. a Peaches track, a Peaches track, and just looped it. Um, so I played the, the bass actually. guitar myself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was all just. It had that. I I had the original studio recorded vocal, but even that that sounded too clean. So I just mm. went for this recorded in my bedroom and it's i'm glad i did now because it feels like it's the one thing that's mm. stuck around from them days because i'm not one for keeping old demos and stuff no yeah. mangan slash 76 yeah has got everything yeah because he's one of the people i'd give my stuff to and go have a listen to this and see yeah. what you think and he's so so interestingly though we need to talk about your collection of microphones yes because as a geeky thing that is you might not be a producer but you've used them to create specific sounds so yeah. i know that you used on at all did you, isn't that that little weird one that you had? Yeah, I had a little, again, the little that's, that, handheld one. that's the tough side, is I'm a nerd f f for mics, but yeah. all based on how they look. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, that's true, yeah. So, so I'd buy these... Yeah, I'd forgotten I'd, that. I'd buy these, I'd buy <laughs> yeah. these vintage mics off, e <laughs> off eBay that yeah. looked amazing. And then, yeah. I mean, even more so on, on, yeah. on distraction yeah. pieces, that I'd then take them into Yiller and be like, I want to use this. Yeah. And he'd be like... This sound like, and in general, we'd use them for backing vocals and stuff like that. But it gave it a really good sound because it was these mics that have been around for f fifty years or something and are barely holding together yeah, still. The but in there's a we're bit fucked, doing yeah. the vocal and it's it's making it yeah, it's getting it there. Mm. So, so yeah, on that all, I would have done it on one of the old mics, but then probably done a cleaner just on oh, an SM58 over the top because that's all I. That was the industry standard yeah, yeah. as far as I knew. Um, and yeah, mm. take it from there. Mm. The one, one of the things um, you've been quite prolific at is uh, the image side in terms of video. And yeah. I didn't, you, you, you've won awards, right? For some yeah, videos, or yeah, at least we've nominated won some them. awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that it's something that people can struggle with. In terms yeah. of, so if you know you're an artist, you create an album, and then you, you get to the next point. You've already talked about, you know, you had a strong sort of different image. Yeah, yeah. your first kind of visual. Yeah. Um, is that does it does that just come easy to you? And does it or is it? Or do you do you sort of painstakingly think about how you can be different? How you it's, can do what? What videos can you do that haven't been done before? Well, that's it. It's 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 a weird one, and it's why I've found myself now in TV and film and stuff like that right, is yeah. I'm a nerd for that kind of thing. So right. that was always, I'd always have tons of ideas. The reason from, on all the solo videos, I co-directed them and all the ones after my solo record, I co-directed. But, but the reason 
that kind of came about was the f all the videos on the first album we worked with a guy called Nick Frew who was absolutely amazing and he kind of sat me down at one point and said look you need to just do these these uh, yourself because he's like I'm barely getting to direct them like mm. you're coming to me with such a specific idea yeah. I'm like here's what I think it should be and this and this and this and then he's going and making it happen yeah. and making it amazing because he's an amazing director but yeah he was the one that kind of sat me down and said just do them yourself because you've got such a specific v vision yeah. yeah that it's really hard in a way it's hard to work with you because mm. <laughs> because yeah. you, know, yeah. you know what you want it's like well do it yourself then yeah why are you bringing in an amazing thinker and director yeah to go here's what i want yeah yeah have you you've directed for other people though as well right um oh, yeah, right. i've on on the label i've directed Warren the Warren, the Warren Peace yeah, ones, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. the Jack and My Brown ones, too, and things like that. And, so, and yeah. uh, as offers come in to do to do more stuff for um, bands and stuff like that, was it not bit, an area? But it wasn't an area I was particularly gagging to to get into. Tom Coles, who mm. was the cameraman on all of them, and very much the co-director and co-creator. Aaron as well. Mm. Aaron Sh 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 Shrimpton directed a load of them, but didn't work on all of them. Mm -hmm. But Tom was the one that me and him had work on all of them he was it made more sense to have a cameraman that you go to w with an idea rather than a director and mm. then you collaborate on it and co-direct it mm -hmm. um and that's how they kind of yeah all works so, so the first one that me and tom worked on was in tradition which mm. has got was the most the views in, uh, shave yeah yeah shaving so that's arm. the one i spent 100 quid on right um for, for 70 quid i rented a storage container container just off tarpots roundabout um i spent 30 quid on toys to set fire to um and a little bit of lighter fluid and then we went in this container and, and made this video and it's had something like four or five million views now it's yeah. the, the it's that and thou shout are the two i'm, I'm most known for um in america 100 percent introduction is is the one that got more really? known and more out there um and that was it. It was a restriction. And my thought there, the, the thought process there was, we built this fan base with Dan Lassac, but this is a solo record. Mm. How can I get every one of mine and Dan's fans to give it a listen? And not necessarily to like it, because I was aware it was harder, mm. it was punkier, mm. it was rawer. Um, and I just went, right, I've got my big, big beard. It's, it's, it's something I'm known for. I'll cut it off in mm. the video. That'll make sure everyone tunes in yeah. and looks at it. So that was the simple start of the idea. And then I wanted to start s s setting things on fire, which was Why a not? mad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's always fun to watch. And that was it. I, I realised it had to be a one take because if I'm going to be sh shaving my head and stuff, yeah. Yeah, that, that exactly. ups the, the peril if we've only got one <laughs> try at it. Yeah. So we did that. And again, it was... that that not thinking about what happens if it goes wrong. Yeah. So, right, we're not mm. thinking about that. And we filmed it on August 1st and uploaded it on August 3rd, which was on my birthday. Yeah. And the reason for that was I didn't want to be out and about and have people, if I had a gig or whatever else, just mm. I wanted it to be a reveal that I cut my beard off, I, sh I, shaved, I shaved my head yeah. all live. And yeah, but, but I mean, because of the one-shot nature of it, it made it m more dangerous. Yeah. Because in it, I set fire to a hobby horse. Yeah. Um, and this is inside a closed metal container. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but because like we... Plastic and just like, I mean, fuck, because we right. knew it had to work, we doused it in petrol because we were like, yeah. we can't have it that 
it's the big end of the video and I'm flicking a lighter and it doesn't go and it starts t- t- uh, to not go yeah. mm. but then when it goes up it fucking goes up so <laughs> yeah. that's flaming and, and it's going everywhere and I'm, I'm, I'm setting fire to stuff flames are literally dripping onto the floor yeah. um, because we put so much petrol on it essentially and then we cut and my mate Ollie was outside with a fire extinguisher and we pile out and the guy who owns the site that had the the container on there just walked past and he just went I don't even want to know Pip and it was golden but it was that thing again of it's kind of the story of all of it of just do it and then figure it out later so we were like you know ask for forgiveness rather than permission yeah and that was the idea there i paid him 70 quid for this container i said oh we're doing a video Mm. i hadn't said we're setting stuff on fire Mm. because he might have said no No. you can't do that that's really dangerous Mm. it's like ask for forgiveness rather than permission and that's yeah that kind of plays into all of all of the career just go and do it and and figure it out later yeah that's a really good way of looking at it yeah um so yeah so that that was an interesting one and that video i said from hmm. shooting to having a million views was a couple of days because we, sh- we sh- sh- shot it on the first it, w- it went up on the third that night it became zane lowe's b- b- yeah. b- biggest r- record in the world on yeah. radio one so, so by the end of the week it had like a million views. Yeah. It's like, man, we started this week without a video. <laughs> yeah. And do, so, yeah. if you had an unlimited budget, would you still try and work within the constraints of sort of allocating? Because it sounds like you, you become. Depends if the tax more... man's listening or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming he's not going to be tuning We've in. Got this an unlimited know, budget, mate. and I get to keep it. Then we're yeah, making yeah, that yeah, hundred pound yeah. video, my friend. <laughs> and it's costing us a million. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think those restrictions are cool. L- later down the line, I purposely put those restrictions upon myself. And it's something I've not really t- talked about, but I've got t- two songs that I've never really done live um, and I've never released because I don't own them, but no Nimbus and, mm. and no w- Wimpers. Mm. And the way the first one came about, no Nimbus, was I was, in a, I was having a rough time. I'd had a breakup. And I heard a Grimes song in my car and I wrote to it as I was driving. Mm. A day later, I hit up, up, up Warren and mm. said, I've got this vocal, can you kind of loop bits? No, there wasn't even much looping on it, was it? I just rapped over the track. You Essentially, you added Grimes, a bit. Um, the, Grimes the Grimes one, I just... Tune, yeah, no vocals on it. Yeah. yeah, so I just rapped over it I just... and you produced it mm. and made the vocals sound all right. Mm. And then we, I planned the video. It was an, it was a one-shot sh- yeah, thing again. I went and shot that. So, from hearing that track to the video being up online was a week, mm. wow. and it went down really well. It was, it was a point where I'd, f- I had low s- self-worth, mm. and it was a really good way to go. I'm fucking all right, you yeah. know. Yeah. Because yeah. this is a week. Well. In a week, yeah. I've turned this round. Yeah. It's up and people like it and it's good. Yeah. I did yeah. that in a week, mate. Yeah. It wasn't like months and months. Yeah. It was no, like, a week. I did, here we go, we'll do that. Yeah. And then I did another one and I wasn't in a particularly bad a place for this one. I just heard this track and thought, cool. Yeah. Um, and that was, was no whimpers. But I set the same restriction. I went, I hit Warren up and said, 
you about much this week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Because yeah, yeah. this one needed a few little tweaks and a few little loops. That was I the think loop. it was um, Tovlo to- get Tovlo, high. Yeah, get yeah. high. Yeah, and we did. I did have to loop that and fuck around with that. Yeah, and I added some kind of, of <laughs> some, some weird noises and yeah. some breathing and stuff like that because yeah, I wanted good tune, to add it? some bits. And again, that was another one. And I hit up my mate Gemma, who's a choreographer. She was around here. And she yeah, and she hit some some people up who were at a dance school, mm-hmm. and we wrote a dance sequence and again it was Tom yeah, and within a week again heard this track wrote this track recorded it shot a video and had it up online mm. all within a week again and again it was another one that was, was really popular and I don't know it's a good practice it's a good thing to just do. To, to test yourself well, and it's, remind it's a big yourself slap of. on the back, especially if you've gone through a breakup. You can't wallow in, yeah. in pity if you're creating and making. It's just the two can't coexist. So no, exactly. it's just an escape. And without going escape. into any details, but it'd been a relationship with someone who was far more successful and mm. famous than me and stuff like that. So I think it made me question the value of me. And it was really good to go, oh, I'm all right. I'm I'm Scroobius Pip still. Mm. <laughs> you, yeah. know, and, you know, I may not be yeah. this this world-renowned star, but I'm still, I do what I do and I do it all right. Mm. So, yeah, I, I came up with a a, a, a a motto, a mantra a while ago that I text Polar Bear about immediately because he's, <laughs> he's a mate and a spoken word artist. Yeah, and it's just, I ain't shit, but I ain't shit. Yeah. And it's, it sounds yeah. really stupid and simple, but it's it's key for that for the humbleness and the yeah. the self worth because it's like in the grand scheme of things, I ain't shit. Yeah. You know, it's not there's yeah. nothing important. I honestly believe that I'm not making some big difference. Mm. I don't believe in that. Oh, but I've left a legacy now, so mm. you know, or, or when I leave this world, my art will fuck off. It's mm. some songs. Yeah. Um, but equally, I ain't shit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. do all right. I'm decent at what I do, you know. So yeah, it was kind of a good mantra and a good thing to to keep you grounded and mm. and proud at the same time, mm. I guess. Yeah, man. That's the way. So, hypothetical question then. Yes. Nowadays. Yes. You've got, let's say you've got a thousand pound budget and you don't have any equipment. What's yeah. the three most important things that you need to buy and do uh, in order to get going? Right, that's good. So I guess, so going from my p- point of view, because yeah. um, I started off in spoken word, I would say now you pretty much don't need to buy anything because everything you need you've got you've got a smartphone because that's the sad world that we live in. There's free apps yep. that you can record True. vocals on yep. and videos on. That's a good so, point, so from a spoken word yeah. point of view, all you need is the idea and the fucking work ethic to go and hustle it, to yeah. Yeah. do a good video for it. And I, an iPhone video, um, um, make it work. Um, so yeah, I'd say on the bare... Off like an iPhone, at, at that sounds start, like. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you've got an a camera, yeah. microphone. You can even get like um, GarageBand and stuff and things yeah, like that. GarageBand's on, 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 yeah, on Dan Lassac's podcast, he talks about a few different apps that he uses for making beats. And he'll use them as synths because there's these synth apps. And he'll build on there and then bring that into Ableton or whatever else. But he's done other stuff that he'll just build it on there and that'll be the finished thing. So there's so much there that you can just do. It really is for free so my thought is ignoring the restrictions of it all and just going right well let's have a look about yeah. I've always said to, uh, to you Warren it's something I learnt off Dan as well is hmm. 
look at what you've got mm. and get good at it. Yeah. I think mm. it can be distracting to go, oh, is Ableton the new thing or is it Pro Tools? Mm. I'll, I'll get Pro Tools now. Mm. Oh, there's a new there's a new garage band. I'll get that. Mm. And you, yeah. you never get good at any one thing because yeah. all these programs are so huge. Yeah. There's too much to do. So I've learned that from a, a, a video editing point of view. A lot mm. of the videos I've edited are myself. What, and physical, I just physically in software. Yeah, doing yeah, it yeah. In, 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 um, in Final Cut. In Final Cut, and that I had no knowledge of that, mm. but I got, I, I had it, mm. so yeah. I learnt it. And I don't, I've had no classes, so there's probably tons of stuff in there that I take an hour to do that you could do mm. in a minute because yeah. there's a shortcut. But I've learnt what I had mm. and made it work, and that's how. Like, oh yeah, all the videos where I've turned them over in a week, it's because I've been able to go right tonight i'm not sleeping mm. i'm yeah. sitting on final cut <laughs> mm. <laughs> kind yeah. of going yeah. Yeah. and tweaking and doing things and so yeah so yeah it's tough i mean outside of that on an actual practical level i guess i guess a, a decent microphone um one that looks good yeah yeah maybe two microphones there one that looks good <laughs> and one that actually has a good function because being able to record good and clean is is really handy the yeah. the, the, the kit i bought for my podcast I've had the same kit for five years now and it's because I bought good microphones yeah. and a good good hardware again I don't use any software f on the podcast right buddy does when he's tweaking it mm. but on the actual record it's because of my fear of computers oh really so a few particularly in the early days of me and Dan we, we were blowing up quicker than we were learning if mm. you know what I mean so we were doing these gigs with 400 people in a sweaty room and Dan's just got his laptop mm. hot rooms mm. or sweaty rooms yeah. or wet rooms aren't good for, for no, laptops so we had gigs that. where it's just crashed yeah. and all sorts of stuff and it's stuff that we had to prepare for on, on, oh, on the distraction had, pieces to so where we'd had to have stands so you can get stuff underneath and a lot of that was because I'd learned um, from me and Dan mm. and so for example on the podcast front I didn't want to have to worry about that. I'm not enough of a tech guy mm. to want to be able to be keeping an eye on a laptop. Has this crashed? Is this still moving? So what do you, Has it gone to sleep? What do you record into? I've got a little a mixing desk. I've got a little desk that's got a, me a memory card in it. And that's mm. it. And, just, and that's it. It's got channels, so I can then take them out of stems, yeah. which again, it means I don't have to worry about the levels because mm. we've got two mics and two feeds, so mm -hmm. it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I have to keep a bit, a bit of an eye that it's registering mm. like I can visually see yeah. the sound is moving mm -hmm. mm. and then yeah that's kind of that's it it's but, but again it's because of a fear of if something goes wrong with the software I won't know how to fix yeah, it yeah. and I don't like having to rely on anyone else again no. it's the DIY thing it's, yeah. it's all the DIY thing I could have all my podcasts and have a producer there and someone else looking after it but it's like I want it to be intimate I want it to be me and this other person and mm. that's it so yeah. yeah yeah. oh cool man I've of kind of not answered the kind of thousand no, pound did. budget. It's no, like, well, no, give me the thousand pounds and I'll advise you. <laughs> yeah. I'll G you up. It sounds like you've pocketed the grand. Yeah. yeah. You've, gone, you've gone and got an iPhone. And just said, you're great. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you do it yourself. Yeah. You just crack on some. <laughs> um, oh, or I'd awesome. say in, in, in an even more key bit, it completely depends who you are. The key hmm. To my producing of music comes from going from the point where I'm doing spoken word because I don't know any producers. Mm. You, you can tell what the key is. I met some producers. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so I met yeah. Dan Lassac. Yeah. I met Warren. Yeah. I got working with these people. So that can be a key as well. Mm. If it's something that 
right, to get good at this, it'll take me 10 years. Yeah. Maybe I can, again, find a shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. That means I don't spend 10 years getting good. I go to someone who knows how to do it mm. and, we, and we work together that don't have that overwhelming pride or that need to hold everything. My publisher, after mm. Distraction Pieces, pretty much didn't uh, talk to me. Because while it won't seem of much, yeah. I gave really unusually fair splits on everything because okay. I don't give a fuck. It was a collaboration. Mm. Yeah. And... In in general, in music, you kind of the artist has got at least there's an artist side and then there's a production side. But mm. so mm. the art, the the lyrics, the, the the writer of the lyrics will get fifty percent, but then he'll get a percentage of the other side because he's mm. also part of the song the and melody. all this. Yeah. On ninety percent of them, I take my half or less because there was a few tracks that was mm. so key that that Yellow and, and Warren and, and Danny Lona and and whomever else. So. He hated me because the the mm. paperwork of the royalties every year was like, so we've got like 20 people that we have to pay rather than yeah. just, here's your money. And again, a lot of places will do just a straight buyout from the off. So rather mm. than you get a percentage, here's your fee. Yeah. I didn't have any money. Yeah. So I was like, everyone, I was like, I'll just give you what you want on the percentages or yeah. what seems fair. Yeah. I can't say what you want because if there's four people working on it, then we're getting over 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if everyone yeah. wants 50%, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That doesn't work. <laughs> so that's yeah. like a massive yeah. yeah. and things like that. It was that. It's, <laughs> it's realizing that if if you if you get too if you overthink too much of that stuff, the record will never exist. Yeah. Mm. And what I'd rather that? have a record that exists than 100% ownership <laughs> of, yeah. a, of a record that doesn't exist. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a key. There is mm. is meet other people and be all Surround right. Surround yourself with... by people. And that was yeah. it. Again, it's uh, there's a lot of talk as well in the industry these days of of, of putting value on your work, mm. and I agree with that. But equally, I've done tons of work f- for free because there wasn't a budget and because I wanted to be involved. Mm. And s- similarly, most of the stuff that me and Warren have worked on, me and Yiller have worked on, initially, you're doing it. F- for the love, because mm. there's no money in it. Of but course. all of the people I hope I've worked with know that when money does come, mm. they've all been paid. Mm. They've all got their cuts. Yeah. They've all got mm. the, the back end of it, because that's how I'd work it. If you're going to spend... Again, mm. if you're going to wait a year to raise the funds, yeah. the record might not ever happen. I think yeah. you still own Whereas your score you from go, 2012, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's all noted. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I kind of... I, I, I think that's key as well. I think it's, it's such a weird and delicate subject, because I completely agree that people shouldn't be exploited. Yeah. Everyone should have their worth. But yeah, equally, man. it depends. If you're meeting people and you want to w- work together, me and... When I worked with DJ Yoda and we were both established, we didn't discuss m- yeah. money. We made a track, and then then later I was like, "All oh, right, am I am I getting a percentage?" Or yeah. and I can't remember. I honestly don't know what we figured out for our track that's on his album. I right. can't remember if I got paid or not, but it doesn't matter because yeah. it was something that we were excited to do. I think people forget that when you, you and your mates buy your first instruments and you get. You set up in in your dad's garage. Yeah. You don't discuss percentages. Yeah. No. You discuss the excitement to exactly. make this it and record. Sense. Yeah. And that excitement, hopefully, has stuck with me for all the things I've worked on. It's always like, let's get this done. Yeah. And then again, so. sadly, money has to come into it at some yeah. point because that's that's the world where we live in and it's essential. But it's never the the first thought, or hopefully the the, the, the second, third, or fourth. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's the way it should be. So what's next? 
You, 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 we knows? haven't even touched on the the films, the TV. Yeah, oh, that's it. I mean, there's so much. I mean, what, what where, where are you going next? What what, what direction are you going in? I saw some um, clothing that was uh, make Pip rap again. In, yeah. In the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. seen some caps or something. I did a make Pip rap again. Oh, was it you? Did cap? You? Yeah, <laughs> I did that just purely to. Right. I um, thought it was someone else. Did exploit um, Trump. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting one because it's really weird make that I've now gone from working in a way where I'll have an idea and it'll be released in a week to working yeah. in an industry where people don't know how hard you're working. Yeah. And maybe I will never know. I've got a TV script I worked on for ages that's in, in development with Warp that no one knows about. I've got mm. a film script that's on the verge of getting funding that no one knows about. And mm. I kind of love it because you're not... It takes away that need for instant gratification right. you're working for the art and yeah. for the work and it's kind of it's heartbreaking when you have to acknowledge that half these projects are, n are never going to yeah. see the light of day mm. but those early records right now I would rather never see the light of day because I think they're rubbish I can't listen to them because really? they, they sound so raw mm. I sound so yeah. so it's that kind of outlook on this is going well that's fine if these scripts never see the light of day I'll probably get a lot better by the time the scripts that do mm. see the light of yeah. day yeah. see the light of day so, yeah. so yeah I'm auditioning a lot again I'm getting to be up for some stuff that's insane but no one knows about it yeah. well, me and can't. someone in a room yeah. know that I was up yeah. for this mad thing right. that, that ends up being I had one that ended up the role went to fucking Aquaman really the lad that's Aquaman <laughs> and I'm like mate I was I was in the running for that how mad how ridiculous yeah, and stupid is that and so stuff like that is just cool to me. Was it yeah. Aquaman? No, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't Aquaman. Um, but it's, yeah, I kind of... That's currently where my excitement is. Um, on the music front, I've written a load of lyrics, but I'm not... I've not got anything that I'm feeling needs to see the light of day immediately. Yeah. yeah. I want to... If I do... The next thing I do... Similarly, I want it to be different from everything I've done before mm. me and Dan Lassac Dan's still making amazing beats mm. yeah, I could hit him up and we could make a record I've not got much of a desire to do that mm. me and Warren have worked on loads mm. of stuff but there's still stuff I, that's there's, unheard there's stuff that's unheard but still it's not it's, it's, it's kind of it's that thing like, right we've done that so at yeah. the moment I'm not itching yeah. to do more stuff that I've done before mm. yeah. so the only way new music will come I think is if some random thing happens that I'm like, all right. Yeah. And then it might come, like, I'll do an album in a week yeah. and it'll, yeah. it'll be out the next week because yeah. there are still bits I've written, but most of my excitement to get up and sit at a computer is script ideas and yeah. working in that world yeah. and yeah. in the world of of having six episodes of a TV show to, 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 to tell a story rather yeah. than three minutes of a song. Because, yeah. mm. again, at least 50% of my lyrics, it's storytelling. Yeah. So it's mad exciting yeah. to go, all oh, right, I've not got three minutes. I've yeah. got six episodes. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, or I've got 90 minutes or yeah. two hours. So that's where the excitement is at the moment. And acting, again, just there's, I'm reading a lot. I'm studying a lot because I've been in a weird, weird position on the acting front because the first gigs I got, mm. the feedback I got was the reason I got them was because I've not come from dr dr drama school. 
I've not got that overtrained, over. No. We're all delivering things in the same way. It's a punk ethic, yeah. man. Yeah. But, That's what it is. Pick that, it up and do it. But, but that can make you l- l- lazy as well. That right. can make you go, all right, I'll just, I'm just a just natural. Rock up and... Just fucking do it. <laughs> there's, no, there's no industry like that. In, yeah. in, 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 no. in rapping, I got better from studying, yeah. from learning flows. From, from So I'm doing a similar thing there where. I'm reading a lot of acting books. I'm about to join a little class that I've had recommended to me, but I've been really p- picky on that because, mm. again, we all live out in the sticks. Mm. With the greatest respect, I'm not confident that if I rock up to an acting class five minutes up the road for me, that they're going to be the highest of mm. quality mm. and teach me the best things. Yeah. They might not. Mm. They also might be. Mm. That's not any snobbery there, but no. it's that thing of wanting to protect any natural rawness that's there, but also add to it and know that I'm putting the graft in and not yeah, just yeah. going not just being fair. well I'll yeah. just turn up and do it you know what I mean the, yeah. they want Scroobius Pip they'll fucking get Scroobius <laughs> um, that's not what I want to do so yeah, yeah but it's, I said it's mad because all of that stuff particularly as the last music I was doing was literally write, record here it is yeah. instant gratification it's mad to go to stuff that's like, right, no one is patting me on the back for this. You you, you have to be incredibly self-motivated because yeah. it's like, right, I'm writing scripts that might never see the light of day, but mm. they're, they're making a good impression. Like they're getting my name out there yeah. and all that mm. kind of thing. And I'm learning. So, mm. yeah, it's weird. Awesome, man. All right. Well, I think a lot of people think I've died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mate, I haven't seen you in friends, fucking time. Friends, <laughs> family. Yeah, so exactly. I'm, I'm surprised you're here. It's, it's, com- it's completely true. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a mad run in that respect. But yeah. Is there, is there a taboo too? There, it's been it got signed, signed off. off. It's been commissioned. Um, I had Stephen Knight on the podcast. And again, it's another thing. I learned a bit more. I talk to Hardy all the time. But right. again, like any, like you don't talk about, I'm not going to be hitting yeah. him. If we wouldn't, be mates if every other message I'm going any word on taboo yes. <laughs> uh, what's going on <laughs> you know that wouldn't be a good friendship um, so but I had Stephen Knight on and he revealed which is something I kind of knew but I didn't know if it was public knowledge or not but now Stephen said it is Tom as a lot of people know had a new kid recently and because of that he doesn't want to do any acting work that's out of the country Right. or in general he's not doing much at all mm. but he wants to do only things that are convenient for him to be at home and be a dad Fair enough. and Taboo 2 is gonna a lot of it is gonna be in America so is it it's just got pushed oh, back and you, back yeah you got on, we the left on the boat yeah, did, yeah. yeah. so I'm, I'm signed off for it I'm, I'm on board Stephen Knight has confirmed I'm in the next series it was great about mm-hmm. a few minutes in I, I mentioned Taboo and it he twigged because I hadn't I hadn't met him before. Yeah, so we're doing right. having this chat, and then yeah. he's like, "Yes, yes, I know yeah. you're in it, aren't you?" <laughs> um, so yeah, there is going to be more taboo, as far as I know. Again, it's a long old gap, but I'm a big believer in quality comes when it's not rushed. Yeah, if you want, I'm not shitting on EastEnders, but EastEnders is out a few times a week. Mm. I don't think it's as good as taboo. No. No, it's worth waiting because it's for, about a few because they have to make it a few times a week. So yeah, filming exactly. wise, ev- everything yeah. wise, you're not you've not got as much time. So mm. no. I'd rather people like Stephen Knight, who's one of the best writers out there. I'd rather he spends a few years mm. on it and then then we come back with this amazing series. So, it's yeah. good that people are hanging on as well. I, yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. It was fantastic, wasn't it, man? You, you and 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 again, <laughs> it's one of them that we live in an age where everything's going to be available. For Forever, mm. 
So yes, if we come exactly. back in a year's time, there's going to be people who are like, oh, I didn't see that. Mm. Well, you can watch it now. Mm. Yeah. It's not like when it was just on the BBC and it's like, oh, that was two years ago. Yeah. How mm. we? I can't remember what happened. It's like, mm. well, you can, can re-watch it on iPlayer. Yeah. All right, mm. cool. So yeah, that's interesting. And yeah, film, t- TV, all sorts of goodness, hopefully. Yeah, cool, man. Well, yes. I think pretty much covered everything didn't we I mean mm. we could sit here and talk all day I'd love to know more about <laughs> yeah. what you get up exactly. to behind the scenes but um, actually I, there's, there's one oh, thing on. one thing to just finish it with yes advice for someone that's uh, doing what you did essentially mm. like I mean I mean, some from like music production like you know um, what do they do now if they, if they want to do something now what's your just one, one clean bit of advice I mean the clean bit of advice isn't that clean um, mm. not like it's dirty um, but just that <laughs> porn <laughs> yeah porn <laughs> fuck this music game is shit <laughs> do porn my DMs are open <laughs> no no they're not they're not um, no it's it's the thing that the reason that me and Dan had success was that we didn't try and just do one thing yeah so we had Thou Shout come out and it got a million views and mm-hmm. was up for an MTV award in Japan and was it got yeah. us on the Carson Daly sh- sh- show in America. But we didn't go, oh, we've had our internet success. We gigged. We, from from the start of our career till the end, we did, except for the gap where I was doing s- solo stuff, but still independently we did. I have done at least 100, until I stopped gigging, I did at least 100 gigs a year, every year. Mm. And some years it was over... 200 so me and Dan were adamant that oh we've had this MySpace hit but now we need to build that live following because someone else could be the hot new thing next week so so I think that's key kind of work on your socials but work on live as well and again if you're smashing it locally live you've not not made it yet you need to build fans outside of your friendship fan base all that kind of thing so it's it's just attacking from every angle I guess which isn't an easy or helpful answer because we want yeah. that quick no, fix right. but it's like you've got to be doing you've got to be hitting up the radio stations I was hitting up XFM and Radio 1 and all yeah, that exactly. um, you've got to be d- d- doing your socials hitting up podcasts p- p- playing live as much as you can yeah. and yeah playing your trade and yeah. a friend, a friend. And learning and getting yeah. better it's better to be sh- shit when no one's there watching yeah that's true it's rubbish it's why there's a lot of yeah. rubbish live so acts true. now because someone b- b- blows up online and mm. then they're playing Brixton Academy shit live it's another reason I've no real I mean no rush to come back to playing live because I've not gigged in five years mm. and in the ten years before that I got really good mm. if I did a gig now there'd be a lot of people there and mm. I might not be very good. Really? But when I was not very good, there was no one there. Yeah, it was yeah. open mics and normally the people there are only there to g- get up and do their bit anyway. So mm. I had that years of not being very good in front of yeah. with no one watching. No, oh, man. So, yeah. That's a very good bit of advice. It's <laughs> weird. Get your shit stuff out of the way when no one's watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you'll that, naturally get better anyway. And that's why them gigs are important because <laughs> I think there is a difference between a live gig in a practice room because a practice room is far more in your control so mm. you get to a gig and there's 10 people there and you might think oh there's no one there two people there only the other bands there you might think let's let's sack this one off mm. nah do it it's, it's good for you mm. it's good for you mm. it's why all those gigs on street corners were good for me I wouldn't do them now yeah. but they were good for me I learnt from them and I, I got better because of it so yeah I yeah. think it's all key it's a gig's a free practice and that's that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, always awesome. 
Thank, thank you very you again, much. Man. Thank you. I've been really holding off eating it. any popcorn for loads of it. I went to reach about five times and stop myself to the extent that Warren moved them nearer to me because he thought I just couldn't reach. I'm like, no. I'm just remembering as I reached. I'm like, no, we're doing an interview. I won't. But yeah, I did that thing where you know you got you get there's like a cap that goes on the the little nut bit, and yep. sometimes it like suckers onto your tongue, right yeah, at yeah. the back. And you were talking about. Like, <laughs> yeah, held it well. Though. Podcast snap. Thank you. See, I told you he was a nice bloke. What a lovely, lovely man. Um, don't forget to head over to our social media platforms. Um, any media platform at Through the Door, T H R U the D A W. Uh, give us some likes, comments, um, suggestions, whatever you like, really. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform it is that you're listening to it on so that we can provide you with updates of um, new episodes that we're going to be releasing uh, over the next few weeks and months. Um, there is genuinely some fantastic stuff coming on board, um, so you're going to want to receive those updates. I know that everybody says that, and I have to say that, but you're just going to have to believe me. Um, Cool. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time out, and uh, we'll get you on the next one.